really great to see you all here this morning. Um, if you are new, you join us in the middle of a series. It's called Making Room for Life. And um, I know it seems like probably years ago, but we started this series at the beginning of the year. It was kind of a New Year's resolution, and um, I know the New Year seems a long time ago, we're already into February, but it's never too early, or it's never a bad time to, to take a look at your life and take stock and say, you know, I want to I make a resolution here, I want to make a change, I want to do something different. And the idea behind this series, Making Room for Life, is, is exactly what that, just that little video showed earlier, and what these jars here on the stage represent. You see, our lives are a lot like this jar. And when you watched that video, you would have seen that there was two ways to fill the jar. The first time, which rocks did he put in the jar first? The small rocks, that's right. So we put the small rocks in first, so then, when they tried to jam the big rocks in, they didn't fit. So the second time... He just did the reverse. He put the large rocks in first. And do you know what? Exactly the same amount of small rocks still fit in the jars. And it's a great analogy because what it, what it teaches us is that if you'll put the large rocks in first, you'll still get all the small rocks in. If you put the small rocks in first, you're going to find it hard to jam the large rocks in. So what does that mean to us as individuals here this morning? Well, what it means is that these large rocks, they represent what we feel should be priorities in our life. It could be family, it, it could be God, it could be your time at church, your time with other people. But if we choose to make these large rocks something that we try and squeeze into our lives at the end of the week, then we're going to find they don't fit. Because those small rocks, they're always going to be there. Those small rocks are us running the kids to and from school, us replying to emails, going to work, us doing our homework, all those day in, day out jobs that just have to get done. And what we tend to find is that we put those in first, and these priorities that we make, whether it's family or God, it's not that our intentions are bad, we want to make room for them, but because we haven't made it a priority, the week comes to an end, and we're trying to jam them in, and there's just not enough room left. So we talked about this very early on in the series, that the best solution would be a bigger jar, or less rocks. But the reality is, every one of us, we have busy weeks. And we all have the same amount of time every week in which to, to fit all of this stuff in. So really, the only solution, we can't make the jar any bigger, the only solution we have left is to say, I'm going to decide what the priorities are in my life, and I'm going to make it a point to get those put in first every week. Now, I'm not talking about first in the calendar. I'm talking about looking at the calendar and saying, okay, it may not be until Thursday, but Thursday night, I'm chiseling out some time on my calendar to spend together as a family. Nothing is going to come in the way of that between now and Thursday night. And we make it a priority and we, we lock it in and then we'll find that the small rocks, they'll fit in all around them. So over these last few weeks, we've been talking about what some of these rocks could be. We've talked about God. We've talked about people. We've talked about... Um, some other stuff as well. So uh, we, we talked about some different rocks, and you can go online to the website if you can't remember, like me, and you can listen to the, uh, to the different sermons, and you can hear what some of those rocks were. And this morning we're going to look at another one, but every single week we've, we've, we've looked at one individual in particular, and that's Jesus. Because Jesus did a pretty good job of living a life and showing us what it looked like to put the large rocks in first. He knew what it was like to set aside time for these priorities, and he made time in his schedule. And, and it's not like Jesus had a really easy life. I mean, thousands of people followed Jesus. Thousands of people wanted time with Jesus. He was a busy person. And yet he found time to put the big rocks 
into his job. And you know, Jesus himself, he, he said this, he said, I have come that you, all of you this morning, all of us, I have come that, that you may have life and have it to the full. That's always been Jesus' plan for us to really experience what it's, what it's like, what it means to have a full, enriched life. And he knows that for some of us that means getting the priorities reorganized because he wants us to live this full life. And the truth is that over the weeks we're stretching your thinking a little bit because some weeks we may talk about something that you never thought of as a large rock. And I'll be honest with you, I think this morning is going to be one of those subjects. But um, come with me, bear with me as I go through this, this uh, message this morning because I really think it's going to challenge some of you to think, God, is, is that a large rock in my life? I, should that be a large rock in, that, in my life? And maybe some of you will leave today saying, I'm going to make that a large rock in my life. So in order to set that up, I need to do a little bit of a poll here and um, do a little bit of a fact-finding mission. So this morning I want to find out how many savers we have in the room and how many spenders we have in the room. Because did you know that you're, you're either one or the other, okay? We've got our savers and we've got our spenders. And, and maybe I'm oversimplifying things here, but I think we can just divide it right down the middle and you're either in one camp or the other. So if you're there this morning, you're thinking, well, I think I'm there, but let me help you identify what you are. You see, if you're a saver here this morning, you spend as little as possible and you save as much as possible. You love finding a good investment. Saving gives you that, that peace of mind, that confidence about an uncertain future. So this morning, if that's you, I want you to raise your frugal hand and say, yes, that's me, I'm a saver. All right, good job. We've got some, some proud savers in the room. Well done, well done. Now, we also have our spenders. Now you, you're the ones who would rather buy things, go shopping, enjoy life. You understand, you know what? Money was made to be spent. Why hold on to it? If you got it, spend it. So if you're a spender, you put both arms in the air and go, woohoo, yeah! <laughs> so we've got some savers and we've got some spenders. Now, um, I'll, I'll put my cards on the table here. I'm a saver, okay? Alicia actually alluded to that earlier in the uh, presentation that gave to me, but um, I'm a saver and us savers, we, if, we have to spend money, which we don't enjoy doing, but if we have to spend money, we love coupons. We love sales. Um, but most of all, we just love to add a little extra to savings or to put a little more away for a rainy day. Us, us savers, we sleep peacefully at night because we know we're preparing for that, um, that event that maybe our children's children may decide to go to college. So we better be ready now if that happens 50 years from now. So, so that's kind of how us savers work. And, Katie will be the first to tell you that that can be problematic at times. But if you're a saver, sometimes we, we tend to go to, to far too greater extremes to live this particular lifestyle. So, for example, um, Katie and I, we moved into a new home just a couple of years ago. A lovely house, and a two-story house. And uh, as you know, the entryway, there's a, like a two-story um, ceiling. And at the top there, there's a light in the entryway. It's a great light. It's a functional light. The light works. You flip the switch, the light comes out. So... It's a good life. But apparently my wife says, no, it's not a good life. I want a different fixture up there. And I'm like, what's wrong with this one? This one works fine. But all the wives in the audience are going, I totally understand that. I know if that fixture doesn't look right for the house, then... So I, being a wonderful husband that I am, I, uh, I said, yeah, that's fine. We'll buy the fixture. So we bought this new light fixture. And uh, being the foolish husband that I am, I bought the fixture before trying to figure out how we were going to get this fixture changed on this two-story ceiling. 
So uh, I get my ladder out and I realize that even though my ladder goes all the way up, I'm like never going to reach without risking my life, this particular light fixture. So we call an electrician, a friend of ours, and he comes to me and goes, yeah, he goes, you need scaffolds to change that fixture. You're going to have to bring some scaffold in, we'll set it all up, I'll get a guy up there, I'll change it pretty quick. He says, it should be too bad, you know, maybe two, three hundred dollars. I'm like, sure, do you know how that sounds to a saver? It might as well have been a million dollars, okay? Because to change a light fixture, I'm thinking, there's no way. So for several weeks, it probably was months. Um, we stuck with the light fixture we had. It was working, it was doing great. But uh, constantly, you know, Chris was saying, it'd be great to have that fixture. It'd be great. Well, I'm at Menards one day, and I'm returning something, and they have tools and stuff you can rent there. And I look over, and what have they got? Scaffolding. I'm like, hey. I said, hey, did you rent that stuff? She goes, yeah. I said, how much? She said, oh, wow, it's like about 30 bucks. 30 dollars? <laughs> what a deal! So I drive home, I call a friend who's got a truck, I drive to his house, I borrow the truck, I drive the truck to Menards, I pay, I carry all the scaffolding out, it takes me a good part of an hour to load all that scaffolding into the truck, I drive back to my house, I unload the scaffold, another hour long project, I set up this scaffold that I've never ever set up before in my life, but I'm figuring it out and screwing things together and after two, maybe three hours I've got the whole thing set up. Then I climb up the scaffold, risking my life, and uh, lay on the very top thing. I'm there at the light fixture, and I spend another hour or two replacing the light fixture. Turn the switch on, everything works, looks great. Spend a, go to bed, wake up the next morning, dismantle the whole scaffold, take it into the truck. Again, do the math in your head, how many hours, drive it back, get to the nerve. I mean, this has probably been like 48, 50 hour project. I'm driving home thinking, I saved a couple of hundred bucks today. <laughs> And I'm feeling pretty good about it. Now, if you're a spender here this morning, you are shaking your head thinking, dude, there is no amount of money that would make it worth me doing all that work. Pay the guy! Just get it done, spend the money! You savers, you're like, good job, Dad. In fact, some of you savers are thinking, did you check Lowe's? I think it's $20 at Lowe's. You probably should have gone to Lowe's just to make Because you savers, you're thinking, you know, the, the bargain. So sometimes, us savers, we can, we can take it to a bit of an extreme. But you know what? You spenders, you, you love to spend as well. You'd rather buy things, go shopping, enjoy your lives. See, spenders, I think, you live by the motto, why put off till tomorrow the fun you could be having today? Spenders love to buy stuff. They know how it works. You know, you're feeling a bit low? Let's buy something. Maybe you're feeling great. Let's celebrate. Let's buy something. Maybe it's me that you're just kind of bored. You know what? I should go and buy something. And you spend this, that's kind of the solution. It's that retail therapy. We've heard that phrase before. And I'm not out to say one is right, one is wrong, although I'm a saver, so I'm obviously uh, slightly biased here. It's one in my, uh, in my delivery of this. But if you're more of a saver right now, you're probably thinking, you know what? I hope so-and-so's listened to this. They need to hear this. Do they really need that many shoes? I hope they're listening to this because they need to be a little less of a spender. Now, you spenders, you're out there thinking, I hope they're listening to this. Man, they are so, they never spend any. Come on, live a little, spend a bit of money. They need to hear this. But as I was preparing for this, I came across what I believe is another truth. As well as there being savers and spenders, there's one consistent thing, and I'm, I'm not going to say it happens every time, but it happens a lot of the time. Whether you're a saver or a spender, it doesn't matter. You tend to marry the opposite. Have you found that? <laughs> I actually looked earlier when Hannah ran up and I saw a saver and a spender who were sat next to each other. So it happens. And, and now you enter that new dynamic. And I'll be honest, I've, I've told you this morning I'm a saver and 
I'm kidding. She's fantastic, and she, uh, she, she does very well and uh, spends very much within our means. And, um, but you know what? It, it creates that, that tension sometimes. You know, but my wife, she's not silly. She knows I'm a saver, so she appeals to my saving side when it comes time to spend. She's like, Dave, I found this deal. I found a dining room table. It's normally $2,000. Now, we've got a dining room table, bear in mind. This table's normally $2,000, but I've got, today only, it's 40% off, and I've got a 10% off coupon. Dave, if we buy this table, I'll be saving you $1,000. Do you know what I'll save us here? No, you're not saving me $1,000. I'm still spending $1,000. So, in our relationships, whether you're a saver or a spender, this goes on all the time, this, this backwards and forwards. But here's what I want to say, and maybe this morning you think I'm going to, you know, in my sermon share, which is the right one, whether you should be a saver or whether you should be a spender, and which is, which is right, which is wrong. But here's, here's the aha moment I want to deliver to you this morning. Let's see what you think. I think that savers and spenders are really basically the same. See, I think this morning that whether you're here and you're as frugal as Dave Ramsey, or whether you spend money like a Kardashian on Rodeo Drive... Either way, I believe savers and spenders are actually motivated by the same thing. Having more. And here's what I mean by this. See, if you're a saver here this morning, like me, you want to have more in the bank. You want more in your portfolio. You want more so that you'll have more later on in life. If you're a spender here this morning, you want to have more too. But the more you want is is right now, not later. I want to spend now, worry later. And and in doing so, you feel like you're getting more of life. Because that's what money's for, right? See, I can save more to have more security later. Or I can spend more to have more fun now. So both savers and spenders really are being fueled by being motivated by that same thing. And what do I want to throw out this morning is, what if there's a third thing? What if there's another option? It's neither saver nor spender, but a third option. Another kind of person. And what if that particular person had found a way to make more room for life? They've made something in their lives a big rock. And before I kind of unpack that, let me read a story here from the life of Jesus that will lead us into this particular subject. You can find it in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew was one of the the four people that wrote the story of Jesus. Did a fantastic job of telling us about the life of Jesus. And Matthew tells about this particular time when Jesus was going to someone's house for a feast. And listen to what happened. It says, while Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked themselves. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for my burial. 
Truly, I tell you, wherever this story is preached throughout the world, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So was this woman in this story, would you say she was a saver? Or would you say she's a spender? I'd say she was neither. See, I think she's in a different category altogether. And to get what I mean, here's, here's something important that you need to understand, some, some backstory to this particular situation. For starters, we hear about her breaking open this perfume. And maybe as you heard that story, you, you went straight to perfume that you can kind of relate to. Maybe you were thinking of something like Chanel or um, Dracandoir. Is that still a cool cologne to wear? It's probably not. I wore that when I was a kid. I, I don't know if people are still wearing it today. But uh, I actually, um, just a little side note for my birthday, my wife bought me some new cologne. And uh, I was pretty excited. It was um, David Beckham it, it, Instinct. David Beckham Instinct. You can see the soccer theme coming here. And, and I'm like, David Beckham. I want to smell like David Beckham. More off the field than on the field. And unfortunately, this cologne does have a very nice smell to it. And we were uh, with some friends, Kath, uh, Chris and Kathy, and they have a 10-year-old son. And we were talking about it. And they were like, oh, Josh has got that cologne. I'm like, he has? You bought expensive cologne for Josh? And she said, no, oh, no, no. He was working at the food pantry. They had a load of it. They were just giving it away to people. <laughs> what is it with you guys in soccer? Come on. You're ready. <laughs> so I'm wearing some, some great cologne this morning. But... Um, However expensive your cologne is, you need to understand the perfume that this lady bought. Because maybe you spent $100 on your cologne, but that's not the deal here. You see, biblical scholars, people who, who understand the times back there in Bible times, they tell us that perfume was actually something you bought as a form of investment. It was like gold. It was something you would buy and, and you would store and it would gain value. It was a, um, a rare thing to have it. So in having it, it was a great um, way of, of, of amassing wealth. It's also like, it's, it's kind of like the stocks or bonds that we would buy today. And this perfume, we've, we find out, probably cost the equivalent of a whole year's wages. This is an expensive perfume that this woman had. So she poured out a whole bottle of perfume that might have been her whole retirement savings on Jesus, just like that. Now what do you think about what she did? The savers, what are you thinking? If you're a spender here this morning, what are you thinking? Either way, if you're a, a saver or a spender, it's probably a little horrifying. No wonder the disciples reacted the way they did. See, if you're a spender here this morning, you might be thinking, sure, break open the bottle, enjoy it while you can. But don't pour it all out on Jesus. Put a little on him. Make him smell good. This is something they, was, they would do as a custom, you know, in those days when, when the guest of honor would come in, they would, they would put a little bit of perfume on them because it was a kind of dirty, smelly time. You know, this perfume would just kind of honor the person in the room. So do a little bit, but don't put all of it on him. Use the rest to have some fun, to get yourself something you've always wanted. The savers, maybe you're thinking, is this woman crazy? What's going to happen when she gets older? How's she going to survive now that she's just broken, blown all of her life saving? Dab a little on him if you want, but don't go, don't go crazy. But for the woman in this story, it wasn't about spending and it wasn't about saving. For this particular lady, it was about making room in her life for generosity. In response to this radical act of generosity from this lady, Jesus says that her story will be told wherever the good news of Jesus is shared for centuries to come. We're still speaking about that event today. This woman was different. She sees what she did for Jesus as a big rock. She sees generosity as a big rock. And really, financially speaking, that's radical. 
Because if you think about it, for us, I think if we were to, to look at our finances, we'd say, well, yeah, we've got some big rocks. There's our mortgage, our car payment, the groceries, the utilities. But those are the things that are fixed in my life. When it comes to generosity, I think probably most of us would see that as, as maybe more of a small rock. Something that we would try and fit in if we can. Something we would try and fit in as the need arises. And I've got to be honest, um, as a pastor, it's always difficult to speak about subjects like this, to speak about money. But um, that's because I've always put people in one of two categories, either savers or spenders. And I always felt like if I was to bring up money in church, I was either ruining the future of savers or reigning on the parade of spenders. But what if there is this third category? What if there is an, an option to, um, to be generous, to have generosity as a part of our life, to have generosity as a, a large rock in our lives? What if that helps us to get to the point of living life to the full, just like Jesus said? The truth is, I realize that we live in a, a world here today where money can actually become a spiritual stronghold in our lives, regardless of whether we're spenders or savers. It's not hard to imagine being at a place where we do not control our finances, but they actually have power over us. Maybe some of us in the room, we're there right now. And Jesus knew that. There's another time in in Matthew when he talks about this, and Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So right now, as I talk about this idea of generosity and finances, we're probably getting close to, to our hearts. Because for many of us, our hearts are right there. But what if we were to choose to make this a big rock? And what if by making it a big rock, we start to experience the blessing of being able to give? And what if for us as spenders or savers, this attitude of generosity actually helps to release us from that control that all of us find, whether we're savers or spenders, that money has over us? See, I really believe that by making this a large rock, we discover that you don't have to spend more to have more. And you don't have to save more to have more. It's actually through giving more that one experiences more in their lives. See, let's go back to this story here just for a second. It says, as this woman lavishly pours out every drop of perfume on Jesus, as she's covering him with this stuff from head to toe, listen to what Jesus says. He says, she has done a beautiful thing for me. See, he knew that it had an even greater significance for Jesus at that particular time. See, in those days, it was common to anoint a body for burial with perfume and with oils. They weren't able to embalm bodies, so in an attempt to, to kind of stave off the smell before the body was buried, they would, they would cover them with perfume. So she didn't know this, but Jesus is making this connection that it's not long before he himself will die. And he realizes that this woman is actually preparing him. As she puts this oil, as she puts this perfume upon him, she's preparing him for what he's about to go through. He saw the connection. He knew what was in store for him. And in a very real way, she is declaring value and glory and honor for Jesus before she even knew that he was going to die for her sins and the sins of the world. She chose not to give him just the leftover of what she had, just a little bit of perfume. She gave everything. Because she deemed him worthy of that kind of generosity. And as she broke the jar open, she made a statement from her heart. It was an act of worship, declaring the worth of Jesus in her life. She was saying, Jesus, I love you so much. I just want to pour all of this out to you today. And that's the way I want to challenge us when we're thinking about generosity. That it's, it's a declaration from our hearts. 
So as we come to kind of the, the final part of the message here this morning, let's, let's transition now. Let's move away from this story and let's move into our own lives and say, well, how does that play out for us on a day-in, day-out basis? What would generosity look like in our lives if it were a large rock? Well, I had a few thoughts as I was preparing for my message this week. The first is that, you know, we're all very fortunate if we are residents of Washington or if we live in or around this area to have seen uh, a real outpouring of generosity in the last couple of months. It's been huge. Everyone I meet, everyone I talk to, that seems to be the overwhelming response I hear again and again and again. I can't believe how generous people have been. I can't believe when, since the tornado came, you know, how, how many people have stopped and just given us gifts and given us a gift card to a restaurant or, or bought us a, um, a meal or just helped us in this way, that way or the other. And we're hearing again and again of just this acts of generosity. And not just that, I'm looking around this room this morning, and I know of many of you who have gone over and above in the area of generosity and said, listen, I want to, my neighbor's hurting, I want to help them in this way, my friends, my, this person who I don't even know that well, but I want to make sure that they're okay. And it's great as a response to that kind of thing to see that generosity poured out. And I love that when the need arose, people rose up, but is that a big rock in their lives or is that just a response to a situation? And the, the way you'll know that answer is when, when really life gets back to normal, and it could be a while, but when eventually life gets back to normal, is that generosity still a part of who we are? Is it still a part of our everyday life or was it just something to meet that need? Because the truth is there are some people here this morning, there's many people here this morning who have said, you know what, I'm going to make generosity a large rock in my life. I believe that God has given so much to me that, that I should live a generous life. He's poured out so much that I don't want to hold on to what I've got with two tight clenched fists. No, I want to hold on with two very open hands. Because God's given me so much, I want to be free to give back to those that need it. So you've helped in many different ways. And like I said, there are many here this morning that already live that way. If you're a Christ follower here this morning... I think that's one of the things that compels us. We just, we just are so aware of how, how blessed we are, how much God has given in, us, in our lives, and we want to give back. So one of the practical ways that many of the regular attenders here at Connect choose to give is, is each week. We took the offering here this morning, and there are many who faithfully give each week in the offering. And I want to explain that a little bit, because I know that we've got some people here who have never been to church before, and then we've got some people who have come from other churches. And, and this is one of those subjects that just can really vary from church to church. So, so here's our, our, our feeling on, um, on giving when it comes to Connect Church. And I hope you've never, ever felt any pressure to give. We do this every week because there are many here who want to give. And the truth is that the money that's raised, it goes towards paying the rent for the building and um, paying for the curriculum for the kids and all the props. And I know your kids come out saying how much they enjoyed kids' church. That's because we've got a wonderful team out there who are buying some great materials and some great games and some, some great Bible things that the, the kids can be, be involved in out there. So that's one of the big reasons that we, we have this opportunity to give every week. Everything from the, um, the signs out there to the donuts. It all comes because people like you choose to give every week. And we're so grateful for that. And I think those of you who give, you see the results of that. You see what it's doing in the lives of people. But that's really only part of the reason we ask people to give. The other reason that we take up the offering is because there are some here, like I just said, who have chosen to make generosity a large rock in their lives and they want to give. This is something they want to do. They feel this is part of their worship. It's part of their way of saying, God, thank you so much for all that you've given me. I want to give back to you because you've given me so much in my life. So we have many people here who give on a regular basis. And we are so grateful for them. 
You know, there's actually some, some teaching in the Bible. It talks about this term called the tithe. And maybe you've not heard about this before, maybe you have, but the Bible teaches from the Old Testament, right back in the beginning, right up to today, that, that God had set apart this, um, back in the, the Old Testament times, it was through crops, that the, 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 the followers of God at that time, that they would give 10%, that's what the tithe means, 10% of all that they farmed was to go to the temple, to the priests. And that continued on through the New Testament and even through church history to today. So believe it or not, there are some people here this morning who have made a decision to follow Jesus, who, who follow that today and say, you know, I want to give 10% of what I earn back to God. So what they earn, they, they give that amount. That's the amount they've chosen to give. And some of you might be sitting here this morning, whether you're a saver or a spender, and thinking, that's crazy. <laughs> that's a lot of money. Why would you do that? Well, let me try and get you into the minds of those people just to help you out a little bit. And um, in order to do that, I'm actually going to need some help from Brody down here in the front row. He's going to be really glad that he came to church here this morning. Because, uh, Brody, I want to give you $10. Would that be all right? <laughs> yeah, I got a, a big nod. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh. Three. Look at that. That's right there. Ten. $10. So, Brody, you can come up and get this. No strings attached, you can just come. This is $10, a gift from me to you. There you go. You're welcome. Actually, Brody, before you sit down, I said no strings attached. Uh, I do have one favor. Could I have one of them back? Thank you. Good job. You can go and sit down. That wasn't too hard. Are you still happy, Brody? Yeah? Even though you had to give this one back? Yeah? You still don't care? Because you got nine, didn't you? Well done. See, there are many here this morning as Christ followers. That's the way they see everything they've been given from God. Everything we've got is a gift from God. And I, I look at my finances and I look at what I have. And, and I know there are probably even some of you right now are thinking, hey, wait a second. That wasn't from God. I went out and I earned that. I worked hard this week. That paycheck didn't say God on the bottom. It said this bank, this hospital, whatever it may be, Caterpillar. That's where I go. Yes, of course I realize that. But you know what? I thank God every day that there is air in my lungs and that my limbs work and I have the ability to go out and work and earn a living. So yes, I look at every penny that I earn personally and ever since I've been a Christ follower, I've always felt this way, that it's a blessing that God's given me. It's like I was just given 10 $1 bills, you know, as a, as a blessing in my life. So if I have to give one of them back to God, I, I think, man, that's, that's awesome, God. I, it was from you anyway. So I'm just giving you back what came from you in the first place. So I say all that to say that's why many here this morning who have made that decision live that way. Now, please don't hear me right. This isn't a message saying, so that's what I expect. That really isn't. This is something you need to go away. But here's where I would like to challenge you. I would like to challenge you to say, God, have I made generosity a big rock in my life? Is this something that, you know, if there's a little bit of money left at the end of the week, then I'll, I'll do something with that. Or have I made a decision to say, no, I actually want to make a difference. I want to do something um, that makes it count. And, you know, I, I, here at Connect Church, like I said, if, you, if you've been coming on a regular basis, know that, that, that when you give, it goes to support the mission of Connect Church. Did you know that here at Connect Church, we give 10%. So 10% of our annual money that we get every year, we send out. There are missionaries and there are churches that are being planted and we've made a decision very early on. And I think there are going to be times where that's going to be difficult for us to stick by that because we'll be looking at different ways and different expenses. But we've made a decision. No, we want to give 10% into the mission of the kingdom of Christ all over the world. 
So when you give, some of the money that you give is going to help missionaries and it's going to help um, planting churches and some great things. And we'll share stories about that on a regular basis. That's a decision we've made here at Connect Church. But let me close out here this morning with this, this one final story because I want to challenge you Whatever it looks like this morning, if you, if you decide, I'm going to make generosity a big rock in my life, maybe you'll, you'll say, okay, God, help me. And, and some of you will have to say, God, help me, because I don't think I can afford to, but I think God will help you. It'll be a way that you can say, you know, um, I, want to, I want to make generosity a larger rock in my life. So let me close out with this story here this morning, just to illustrate why we at Connect happen to really believe this is a great big rock here in our lives. You see... We launched here as a church on September the 8th. So that was about three, four months ago. Well, prior to that, we'd been meeting since about February of last year. And we'd been meeting with a group of families that we would call our launch team. So our launch team were these families who came with us and they said, okay, we want to help launch Connect Church. And honestly, I've got to tell you that on a regular basis, I speak to those families and say, did you ever think that this and they're like no i mean we had no idea we're so excited by what god is doing and the people that are coming and what's going on in the kids program next door it's just fantastic but we were together we were praying some of you were here this morning and you didn't know this but we were praying for you we were praying that god would bring you in we were praying that god would help create a church that would be a great church that new people would want to come to that being a new church new people who maybe don't go to church or it's been a long time since you've gone to church would feel comfortable coming here and would hear about the love of Jesus. We'll get to hear through the songs how much God loves us. Hear practical messages. So all this was going on last year as we were talking during this launch phase. And at one point last year, I stood up in front of the launch team. And they'd, they'd already been giving, you know, uh, regularly. This was something they were doing. And that was awesome. But I stood up and I said, guys, you see, when we launch, there's a few big expenses up front. You see, when we start as a church, we're already, I, I want to start with, you know, the, the stage set up and I want to have, you know, a great area for the kids to meet in. And we can't wait for people to come in to get all that stuff. We kind of need it all up front. So I said, listen, I said, this is tough because I know some of you give pretty regularly, but I'm asking, you can just pray about it and say, would you be willing to give just a little bit more just to help get us launched? And some did. They stepped up to the plate and they said, Dave, we're going to give a little bit extra. We're going to just give a little bit more, and some gave monthly, and some gave a one-off sum. But they said, because we really believe that Connect Church is going to be a great church, and we want it to launch well, so we're going to do that. And dozens of people gave. And what we did is we, we did this interesting thing that, as well as giving, they filled out this card. And on the back of the card, they wrote down why they'd chosen to give. And I kept those cards. I kept them for a morning, just like this, to explain why they chose to make generosity, a large rock in their lives. I'd love to read all of them, but I'm going to read three here in a second. In a second. I'm a, there was one I found. I just uh, was telling a friend of mine who uh, is a leader here at Connect, and I found his card, and he's written on it, I want to give a little bit more because I want Connect to launch well, and uh, I'm even willing to work more overtime if it means I can get the money to be able to, to support the vision of Connect. Well, just recently, he's been talking about just how much overtime he's been doing, just how much he's killing him doing all this overtime. And I said, hey, I just read your card. You didn't know this, but you prayed for that. So enjoy it. So he was really happy. So he was really happy to hear that, that God was in this overtime. But um, here are just a few of the cards that I pulled out for preparing this morning. This first card, this person said, it's the financial monetary investment I'm making into the kingdom. Often give my t I often give my time and talents, but I feel led to give in this way. Someone else wrote that the Lord will bless all those who walk into a connect service. 
also, ble- also blessing children's ministry, babies, two teens. This person gave a little bit extra and said, here's why I'm giving. This is what this gift means to me. The families we've already seen change through Connect. This is our investment into all the others we've yet to meet or see. Someone said six, eight months ago, you know what? I don't know what the future looks like, but I want to help bring that about. I believe that God is going to do something through Connect Church. I believe that God is going to reach new people, new people that maybe have never been in church or it's been a long time since they came to church. And and I want to just give a little bit more. I want this large rock of generosity because I believe in where it's going. I believe it can make a difference. I believe I can because God's given me so much that I can give just a little back to bless others and to reach others. And those people... I I hope every one of them is here next Sunday morning. Because next Sunday morning, I just cannot contain my excitement for next Sunday service. If you've made plans, change them right now. Because next Sunday, we're having our very first baptism service. Now, baptism, yeah, that's pretty exciting. For us, baptisms are just our way of saying, hey, I'm going public. This is me saying, I I want everyone to know the difference Jesus has made in my life. So next Sunday, 23 people are going to be going through our baptism water to say, everyone, we want you to know that the old me is going down, the new me is coming up. So this last week, we've been preparing for that. And I've got to sit with some of those people who are getting baptized. I got to sit with one lady who said, Dave, I never went to church growing up. If I've never been to church, it's only because just recently my daughter, she's got a young daughter, a young son, um, was saying, Mom, I want to know more about Jesus. And then your postcard came in the mail. And because your postcard came in the mail, we came along to your very first service. Do you know, we, we, weren't, we were only able to afford to send those postcards out in the mail because some of these people chose to make generosity a large rock. So I want those people next Sunday to see this lady who not only came to church for the first time just a few months has now made a decision to follow Jesus and now next Sunday will be getting baptized. That's fantastic. I am so excited about that. And many others, all the people who are getting baptized because when they get baptized it's saying, listen, Jesus has changed my life. And I believe Jesus is going to change dozens, hundreds, I'm shooting low, hundreds, thousands of other lives. And I'm thrilled to be a part of that. And I'm thrilled that these people said, you know what? For me, that generosity is is sowing into the the future. I'm I'm going to be able to facilitate the future so that others can come to know Jesus. So I know this rock this morning may be one that you you wouldn't have thought of. And I don't want you to jump straight from zero to uh, an unmanageable number straight away. But maybe God's talking to you this morning. Maybe God's speaking to you. And and this is a, a rock in your life where you're like, you know what? I do want to live a generous life. I do want to live a life of generosity. I I, I know that there are going to be needs around me and I don't want to miss them because I've not made this a large rock. I want to be ready that when a need arises, I'm there to help that person. You know, I think God blesses that. I think when we give, we receive God's blessing on us. I think it's just a way that we can um, see God's blessing in our lives. And and that's the thing for, for Casey and I and many others. We've just chosen to live that life where instead of holding on tight, we just hold on like this and live that life of generosity. So we're going to pray here to close out and 
Like I say, next Sunday is our baptism, and then the following Sunday, we're going to finish off with one more Making Room for Life. But over all these weeks, whether it's God, people, even generosity, my prayer has always been through this series, that God would speak to us. And maybe there's something that just one of us here is like, that's something that I know God could stretch me. And that's something that really up till now has been a small rock, but I want to make it a larger rock in my life. So let's pray. Father, thanks so much, Lord, for... Um, speaking to us this morning. Thanks so much, Lord, for the um, recognition of the reality, Lord, that whether we're a saver or a spender, Lord, there is another option, and that is to be someone who's generous. Because, God, that's the wonderful thing about generosity, Lord. It doesn't matter if you're a saver or a spender. Neither are right and neither are wrong, Lord. But if, if either one of them has generosity sewn into their DNA, it changes the way we live, Lord. Because we're giving back to a God who's given us so much. So, God, I just pray that you would help this sink in. I pray, Lord, that you would help us understand this, Lord. And Father, I pray that we would be people that would um, understand that generosity can be a large rock. It doesn't have to be just something that gets tagged on at the end, Lord. It could be something that we make a decision about. Say, yeah, I want to be known as someone who was generous and who helped others and who made a difference. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.